0: Amen. Oh.
1: and who can stand before the power and the presence of the great I am, I'm like, come Lord now. Let's do that song. That's just a powerful message. I was listening to um, Dr. J. Vernon McGee this morning. Now, if you don't know who that is, young
2: people,
1: (laughs) he has a distinct voice. Um great preacher and he was talking this morning about that very issue about the fact that people treat the Lord like they're gonna pat him on the back say hey how's it going when we see the Lord we're gonna hit the ground it was a good reminder for me Um, I wish everybody was here today I wish we had perfect attendance because this message today I think is is that important Um, I want to start out by asking you the question how is the coming of Christ impacting your life how is the coming of Christ impacting your life it should impact our lives because the scriptures tell us he's coming. And if we're a believer in Christ, then we believe that's true, that he is coming, that he's coming again. There was one that certainly believed that. That was Peter. I want to show you just that for a moment before I ask you to turn to Jude and then back to 2 Peter. (laughs) But go to 2 Peter chapter 3 with me for just a moment. You know, Peter was obviously convinced of this doctrine, that Jesus was coming again. He was convinced of that, and he wrote that, and you can see it in his language. And he's concerned that these people that he's writing to, these believers, that they get it. That he's coming, that they can live in light of that, and they need to live in light of that. Now um, know that's a great challenge for us to even think about. Because in the context of the scripture, um, he's talking, I believe, about the second coming of Christ. About what the prophets wrote about. That that day is coming when Jesus will come physically to this earth and he will rule and reign for a thousand years. And he's so convinced of what he's writing and so convinced of the events that will take place after the rapture of the church, that he writes this in verse 10. Look at this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. He says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in a holy conduct and godliness? In other words, hey, knowing that this is coming, how should you live? Notice verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God on account account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness is. Dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. So you just look in those few verses, looking for, looking for, looking for, and it it just drives you to ask the question, even of the church, are we looking for the coming of Christ for his church? Do you believe he's coming? And are we living like he's coming? Well, Certainly, Peter had that message. He believed in the coming of the Lord. And this doctrine impacted him. And we see that in these verses. It impacted him to the point that he wanted to communicate this truth to those believers of which he wrote. He's acting as a shepherd. We've talked about that. He's behaving like a shepherd because a shepherd loves his sheep, which four times in this passage Peter conveys his love for the sheep four times in just this one chapter. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then, as a shepherd, we saw last time together that he stirs up the sheep. He wakes them up because sheep are dumb animals. And they need to be awakened. Sheep need continual stirring. We saw last time together. So as not to become lethargic. They need continual reminders of what the prophets and the apostles said. Which basically, Peter's saying, hey look, they need to pay attention to the word. And you and I today have that same challenge, right guys? We need to pay attention to what the word of God says in light of his coming. We don't need to be lethargic. We don't need to live like, hey, this is it. This is all that matters. We need to live like Jesus is coming again. And that's the message that Peter has for these sheep. Um, Stirring one up is something we do as parents. We stir up our children. How many times in your lifetime as as a parent do you have to stir up or continually remind your children of something? All the time. They need reminders. Amen? They need them. All the time. They're children. They need constant reminders. They need constant reminders of the gospel. Let's talk spiritually. They need constant reminders of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. They need constant reminders in their life that they should stand on the word of God, that they should hide God's word in their heart. Um, But not only does a a shepherd love his sheep, and we see that with Peter, and stir up his sheep, but in this section this morning, we're going to see that a shepherd warns his sheep. Do you know that... (laughs) Not everyone has the same mind as you and me about Christ. Do you know that? In fact, there's a big majority of people that don't view Christ the way that you and I view Christ. They don't view Christ as the only way to the Father. They don't view Him that way. They don't even view Christ as Him coming again. So what we're discussing this morning would make no sense to a pagan because they don't believe it. Um, and Peter warns his sheep that not all are on the same page as us. I want you to begin with me in Jude because Jude warns his audience. This is like the sister book to 2 Peter. Jude warns his audience about what he terms scoffers. That's what the term that Peter uses. He uses the term scoffers. He warns. His audience, look in verse 17 of Jude. It's that little postcard right before Revelation. He says, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there shall be mockers following after their own Ungodly lust. That is how he characterized them. These are the ones who cause divisions. They're worldly minded, devoid of the spirit. <laughs> Those are pretty strong terms in defining these scoffers. Well, what were they scoffing at? Let's look back at Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Now I want you to note before we go back to Second Peter, warnings in Scripture are all over the place. Um, Just so that you know, this is not kind of an isolated incident here. Jude is warning his readers of scoffers. Peter is going to warn these believers of scoffers. Um, But warnings are are all throughout the scriptures. Um, Jesus warned his disciples on many occasions. One of the warnings he gives is in Matthew 7.15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware, they're out there, he says to them. Um, The Apostle Paul warned his pupil, Timothy, right? He says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. These are just two, two illustrations of warnings in Scripture. They're all throughout the New Testament for the church. Because we need to be what? We need to be aware, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We need to be awake to the fact that not everybody is following the path of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would say most are not. Which should be troubling to us. It should cause us to want to share the gospel. We just looked at this warning that Jude gave about the scoffers. And he says in that last part, he says, These are ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. And we're going to look at those in just a few moments. So Peter, as a shepherd, is warning these guys about the fact that not everyone is on the same page, specifically as it pertains to the coming of Christ. Notice verse 3 and 4 of Second Peter uh, chapter 3. Notice what it says. Know this first of all, importance, like the radar should go off, right? Pay attention. In the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? <laughs> where is it? You guys, in other words, you guys talk about it. Is he coming? Um, Peter's point here is that there will be ridiculers. There will be those who ridicule the, the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. They're going to ridicule that. They're going to say, ah, he's not coming. In fact, we're going to see next week. Hey, their, their theology is things have, have always been the same and will always be the same. It's always going to be like it has been. But the reality is, and Peter's going to argue this, no, it hadn't. No, things have changed, right? Um, but there will be ridiculers. We have them today. Those who do not believe, even in the gospel of Jesus Christ, much less the second coming of Christ, they scoff at the promise of his coming. We just saw that in verse three, part A. That knowing this first, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking. The word "mockers" is the idea of those who make fun of or ridicule, mm. and they're ridiculing the doctrine. But ultimately, at the end of that is a person who's standing on the truth that Jesus Christ will come again. Right? If you went up to someone and said, hey, listen, there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ, you may be criticized. They may laugh at you. And that's the idea here. It's those who make fun of or ridicule, and at the end of that is a person. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was going to school, there were things that people made fun of me about. You guys ever been made fun of about something, just a specific thing about you, right? I remember, you know, junior high can be a cruel age. You remember junior high? Whew. Man, the bu- boxing gloves were put on, and you, it's almost like people were just beating you up all the time, and they beat up on blunt, right? And, and the, the thing that they used to always say, blunt, you have big lips. Blunt, you have big lips. Blunt, you have big lips. Well, it's true. I do have big lips. Came in handy when I got married. <laughs> right? Right, honey? But when I was a kid, growing up, you know, it is hard for a person to be made fun of. It's hard to receive that. You know, and you try to, when you're in that moment, you try to laugh it off yourself, but that's difficult. That's difficult to do. It's difficult to walk away from. And the idea here is that These scoffers are making fun of the coming of Christ. In other words, they're saying to an audience, hey, he's not coming. That's where we as believers have to say, well, hold on a second. It's not Thad's authority or your authority on which we stand. It's on the authority of God's word that we stand. And over and over and over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible tells us he's coming. Now, a person can sit across from you and say, well, I don't believe that. Well, okay. But when he comes... Ultimately, they will believe it. It's interesting, the word mocking in the New Testament is used a lot in the context of making fun of the Lord Jesus. In fact almost every one of um, every time that the word is used, it's used in reference to mocking or making fun of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Lord Jesus himself, in looking ahead to the cross, said this in Matthew 20. Behold, we are going up and talking to his disciples. We are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and will deliver him up to the Gentiles to what to mock and scourge and crucify, and on the third day he will be raised up. That's what Jesus said. Well, then you go to Matthew 27, and it's going on. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they kneeled down before him, and they mocked him. They made fun of him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They sped on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took his robe off and put his garments on him, and they led him away to be crucified. You know, when you read all those words right there, he, did, he, he went through all that for you, and he went through all that for me. Hey, what are we like, man? When somebody's making fun of us, we're ready to get out of there. And yet, from the cross, I mean, one of the most amazing statements to me, and I don't understand it completely. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know. Just like people in our world today, they don't don't know Christ, and when it comes to the coming of Christ, they're laughing and they're living like he's not coming. I think Peter's message to these believers is, hey, live like he is coming, because he is question for us is how will he find us when he comes for his church? How will he find us? You ever thought about that? I was driving back home the other day and the sky I think it was Friday I was driving home late in the afternoon and um, the, the clouds the way they were, I mean the rays of the sun was just so bright you couldn't even look It was unbelievable, and I was like, I've done this a few times in my life. Hey, Lord, are you coming now? I'm ready. I think we should think about it a little more than we probably do. Well, these mockers, because of their position, according to Peter and Jude, they deny the teaching of Scripture. That's what they're doing. They're denying the teaching of Scripture. What did Peter tell them in verse 2? I want you to remember. Remember what the prophets said. Remember what the apostles said. They deny the word of God on which you and I stand if we're believers. Can I encourage you with that? Go back in your Bibles to um, 1 Peter chapter 1. I have to bring this other Bible because my sweet granddaughter (laughs) tore out 1 Peter in this Bible my youngest sweet I think she was trying to read first Peter and couldn't get it (laughs) I gotta tell y'all a story about this has nothing to do with this about uh, my my oldest granddaughter Uh, I get to pick her up on Thursdays from school she's five years old 5k by the way parents it's not when they're five that they're a problem enjoy those years um (laughs) So I pick her up every Thursday. And um, I think it was the second Thursday I picked her up. She tells me about her day. And she said, Poppy's today was green day. That's great, green day. So what'd you do? And she's telling me about her her day and what she did, the things that she colored that were green and all. And I said, What did you eat today, Abby? And she's like, Oh, Poppy's, I ate a corn doggy. I said, That's great. She said, but I had to take that bread off the outside of that corn doggy. I said, well, actually, you don't. It's really good. She, took that, she said, I took that bread off the outside of that corn doggy, and I ate that hot dog. I said, that's great, Abby. And she said, do you know why I'm doing all that, Poppies? I said, why are you eating like that, Abby? She said, because I want to fill up like you. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Poppies, my legs are filling up. And, and my stomach's filling up. She said, I want to be like you, poppies. Oh, children. <laughs> they just speak truth, don't they? In other words, she's saying, Poppies, you're full. <laughs> All right, look back at 1 Peter chapter 1. All right, they deny the teaching of Scripture. We ought to hold on to the teaching of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which, imp- which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the f- flower falls off. But look at this, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, in other words, all that sin stuff, like newborn babes long for, the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So, these scoffers deny the teaching of Christ. And you go back to what Peter wrote them in the first letter. He's like, man, hey, look, you got the word of God. It's abiding and enduring. Stand on that. Grow by it. And then you go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice what he says in 2 Peter at the end of the chapter. He's telling them to stand on the word of God. Verse 16. He says, we did not follow cleverly devised tales. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Referring back to the transfiguration. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word made more sure To which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Look what he says in 19. The more sure prophetic word to which you do well to do what? Pay attention. Pay attention to the book. Pay attention to the word of God. That's the challenge that we have as believers. They deny the teaching of scripture. Secondly, we see... That they continually cause division. That's the idea of the message there in Jude. They continually cause division. We saw in, in Jude the description that he gives. And he says of them. He says, these are ones who cause divisions. They cause divisions in the church. right? Remember, these scoffers, listen, they have some knowledge. They have to have some knowledge of this. As we went back to... Chapter 2, hey, listen, these guys have a knowledge of what's going on, what's being said by believers. And listen, there's nothing more that Satan wants than to drive a wedge in the church of Jesus Christ. Right? He wants to cause division. It's interesting if you go back, and we don't have time this morning, but if you go back to John 17, the Lord prays for unity. That's the Lord's prayer, by the way, John 17. Um, I know that many times it's referred to in Matthew 6 as the Lord's Prayer, but this is really the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is He's praying for His disciples and for the church. He's praying for unity. The Apostle Paul spoke about the importance of unity. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read these verses to you. The Apostle Paul talked about the importance of unity in the body of Christ. And Can I just pause and say this? It is very important that we continue in a unified state. As a church, you know what divides churches, guys? Doctrine. Is what it does, bottom line, it's doctrine. It's doctrine. Doctrine divides churches. That's just the truth. That's why there's several on every corner. They're divided over doctrine. And ultimately, the Apostle Paul writes about the importance here in Ephesians chapter 4 of the unity that's to be preserved. Ephesians chapter 4 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So these guys cause division. We're to be unified as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ thirdly we see because of their position they have an appetite for worldly things <laughs> they have an appetite for worldly things go with me to 1 John chapter 3 just real quick 1 John 3 as we read earlier Peter talks about the behavior of a believer in light of the fact that Christ is coming well, John has some similar words. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. He writes, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. That's a miracle, right? That we're children of God, and such we are. He declares it. He puts himself in that. Notice that pronoun we. Such we are. For this reason the world does not know us. doesn't know us. Listen to me. The world believes that you and I are are lunatics. They believe we're out to lunch. We're crazy. Because we have the message that there's only one way to God, and that's through Christ. He says, for this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that. When He appears... We shall be like him. I can't imagine that. Because we shall see him just as he is. And so what's John writing about? Hey, look, this is coming. He's coming. We're going to see him. Face to face in all his glory. Verse 3. Look at this. And everyone who has this hope, question, do you have this hope? I'm I'm not talking about... I'm talking about you personally. Do you have that hope? Every single person in this room ought to examine themselves and ask the question, do I indeed have this hope? That begins with these young people going all the way through to the oldest person in this room. Do we have this hope? Notice what he says. Everyone who has this hope On him purifies himself, just as he is pure. (laughs) In other words, we need to be living holy in light of what's coming. What's coming is Christ. He's coming. These guys have an appetite for worldly things. By the way, the reason the word continually is used there is because that's the thought. They continually have an appetite for worldly things. And we need to go, go no further than the boundaries of this United States of America for an example. How many people could you name that have, continually have an appetite for worldly things? A bunch of them. So it makes me think, man, there's times in my life where I have an appetite for worldly things. It's not all the time. But would we admit that? It's true. Well, they continually have an appetite for worldly things because of their position, and Jude says they do not have the spirit. Mm. They do not have the spirit, but every believer in this room does. Every believer in this room does, and you know because every because you have the spirit of God, you can walk in victory. That's what Galatians 5 tells us. We can walk in victory. We can walk by the Spirit. We don't have to give in to the lust of the flesh. Um, Romans chapter 8 verses 9 through 11 us the fact that we have the spirit If we have Christ we have the spirit Living in us They are devoid of the spirit Then the fifth thing That is said here is they deny future judgment They really do because they don't believe In the coming of Christ and they're denying A future judgment or future accountability And it's reflected In the way they live It's reflected in the way they live Let me show you something there is a future accountability. It's coming. Um, i trying to remember which. Thank you, Lord. All right, so the first advent, obviously, is before here. So I just have this imaginary line there. First advent, first, the coming of uh, being born in Bethlehem. All right, so you have his first advent, and then you have, as we know, his life and his death and his resurrection. John 19 and 20, and then you have the ascension of the Lord, all right, in Luke chapter 16 and then Acts 1, and then the next event on the Lord's calendar is His church, the rapture of the church, and that's what you and I are anticipating, the rapture, right, and you know what, guys, it can happen anytime, anytime, so, you know, people say, oh, you need to be ready, we do, (laughs) because it can happen anytime, we're not waiting for any other events to take place. The rapture is what the church looks for. But subsequent to the rapture, then you have on earth the seven-year period of time called the tribulation period. It's described some here in these passages as well. And during that time, there's going to be judgment on the earth. All right, judgment on the earth. But then as that's going on, at some point in time in heaven, there will be judgment of believers. It's called the scene. All right. And while we're not judged to condemnation, we're judged. Uh, we're accountable to the Lord for the things that we do in the body. That's what the scriptures tell us. And then, at the end of the tribulation period, you have a battle called Armageddon. Right? And Christ is going to come to the earth, and he's going to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. Revelation 20 tells us that in plain English. Right? As we have it in our Bible. And then you have the great white throne judgment. Now these guys, listen, they're living, right, according to Peter and according to Jude, they're living like this isn't coming. But the Bible says it's coming. Not only is there judgment on the earth, right, during this period of time, but every unbeliever will stand before the Lord here. Everyone. And you know what? You won't be late for your appointment. If you're an unbeliever, you're not going to be late. We're not going to be late here. We're not going to be late here. The Lord's always on time. Right? So the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. Revelation 20 tells us that. Well, these guys are living like there is no judgment. They deny the coming of Christ. So if they deny the coming of Christ, they're denying, in essence, all these events. And especially this one here, there is no judgment. But there is judgment for the unbeliever. And they will stand before the Lord. And you know what the Bible tells us in Revelation 20. Turn there real quick. I want to show you Revelation 20. We got time. Revelation 20. Let me show you this. Revelation 20 verse 11. Before I read that, you know, um, I was reminded as I was studying and writing some notes down. You guys ought to see the notes I write. I only come up with... um, out with what I've finished with, but I've got many more notes. It's hard to narrow down. Um, but do you know the language of even Christians sometimes is so-and-so is getting away with that. You ever heard that before? Have you ever said that before? Right? you remember the O.J. Simpson trial? I wonder how many people said that. Man, he's getting away with that. But The reality of it is he's not getting away with anything. No unbelievers getting away with anything. Okay? So, on earth, yeah, man, a lot of people getting away with a lot of stuff. But in heaven, Jesus, my friends, is going to judge every unbeliever. My glasses will not stay on. Every unbeliever. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from who, whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found was found for them. Look at that. Whose presence, earth and heaven, fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the j- dead were judged from the things which were written in the books. According to what? Their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. They were what? They were judged. Everyone. one underline that. Every one of them according to their what? Deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, guys this judgment is to eternity here. And there's no get out of jail free card. It's in Monopoly. Right? When you stop and think about it, just think about it for the next ten seconds. Stop and think about it. That's forever. Just like heaven in the presence of the Lord is forever, hell is forever absent from the Lord. Forever! And that's why it grieves us when we see people living like they live and denying the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why Peter and the other apostles wrote with a passion they did about the truth. Well, not only are these ridiculers scoffing or making fun of, real quick, look at this, they live for themselves. Naturally, because if you believe there's no accountability, you're living for who? For yourself. Think about it in the home. Right? Uh, I know my boys changed their mind sometimes because they knew there was accountability for their actions. It was best that they changed their mind sometimes because they were walking down the wrong path. And their father, who is me, was faithful to stand in front of them and say, Hey, look, if you do this, this is the consequence. There was accountability. Well, these guys don't believe there's going to be any. And so they live for themselves. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. He says it. Notice he talks about their behavior. He says, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. Huh. Um, lust is a, by definition, is a strong longing or passionate craving. Do you know that this word in the New Testament can be used, it can be used um, in a positive way. A person can long for food. If they're hungry, they need the food, right? You might even be longing for food right now at 1127. Right? I'll make you hungry. You're longing for Mexican food or Milo's or something like that, right? If I put it in your mind, you'll be longing for it more, right? This, this word can be used in a sense of desire for Water. I mean, think about it. When you exercise, at least when I do, man, I want water. Nothing satisfies like the water. That's the idea here. It's a strong longing. But in this case, it's a strong longing for those things that are wicked. Um, the word following there, you notice in your, in your scriptures there, um, it says following after their own lust." There's a couple of things about that word following. It's present tense, so it means they continually follow after their own lusts. The idea, as one theologian put it, they go from passion to passion to passion to passion. Non stop. It's their lifestyle. It's the way they behave. Um, this reminds me of a passage of scripture. I want you to turn there with me. First Timothy. All right, first Timothy. I'm sorry, Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So, because of their doctrine, right, what they believe, um, they live in sin. It's their lifestyle. Um, I like what, let me give you this quote before we get to 2 Timothy. I like what Spurgeon says. He says, Errors of doctrine lead to errors of practice. Wrong doctrine leads to a lifestyle that potentially is away from the Lord. So errors of doctrine lead to errors of practice. Well, these lusts that we're talking about here right in Scripture, Paul gives warning to the last days. It's interesting how, if you start studying this, how you go from one text to another, whether it's Paul or Peter or John. But uh, Paul here in Second Timothy 3 tells us what it's going to be like in the last days, the last times, and we're, we're here now. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. It's a certainty. And then as you look at the description, you're going, yeah, look at this. For men will be lovers of self. You tell me if that's true today. Yep. Answer? Yep. Lovers of money. Yep. Don't be afraid to answer out loud. Boastful. Arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, never, right? Ungrateful, can I just say that bothers me, an ungrateful spirit bothers me. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, yes. Malicious gossip, yes. We've got to be careful with that in the church. Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Answer, yes. Because as you know, the doctrine of the current culture we live in is it's all about me. It reminds me of the time of the judges where everybody did what was right, what? In their own eyes. So he says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. What does he say? Here's the warning. Avoid such men as these. In other words, you don't need to have you're running around buddies being these guys. That doesn't mean you don't hang out with them and witness He's warning us here of men like these. Well, I wanted to leave you this morning with three practical questions that are statements, questions actually, that you need to think through and I need to think through. And then I want to show you a video. I'll have a little explanation before I show you that. I hear your take-homes and they're in the form of questions. Are warnings in scripture on our radar? I thought that was good to think about. There's a lot of warnings. Do you know that the Lord loves us so much He gives us warnings? Like here's a warning. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You know that's a warning? How are we responding to warnings from Scripture? It would be interesting for you, you and I to go through the New Testament and just underline the warnings that are given to us there in the Scripture. Secondly, are we living like he's coming? Are we living like he's coming? He is coming. Are we living that way? And that's hard to keep on our radar all the time. But it's important. Are we living like he's coming? And thirdly, are we obeying what the Lord told his disciples? You're like, what are you talking about? I'm glad you asked. Go with me to Acts. And then I want to show you this video. This is kind of a a prelude to this video I want to show you. Because I want to make this statement, guys. In the context of 2 Peter... Peter's talking about the second advent of Christ. The second advent of Christ is not on the radar of pagans. (laughs) Right? And so, as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, for us, it's very gratifying to study a passage like this. We're like, wow, Lord, I can't wait for these things to take place. I can't wait for you to come for your church. I can't wait for that because I want to be in your presence. But for the pagan, they don't even have a mind that Christ is coming again. Well, in the book of Acts, the apostles, it's interesting that verse 6, what it says. You know, the apostles were thinking about the coming kingdom. And Jesus stops them. Notice what it says, verse 6. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Is it now, Lord? Lord? That was their mind. Notice what he says to them. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, this is where your mind is. But, hey, I'm going to redirect your mind. It's not for you to know all that stuff. This is what you need to be concerned about. And so this is kind of where I landed in terms of application, how we take this. But you shall receive power, he tells them, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. That word in the Greek is martyrs. You shall be my martyrs. And they were. (laughs) You shall be my martyrs both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So they're thinking about the kingdom... And him establishing his kingdom. And he's saying, hey, stop. I've got a task for you. And this is your task. You go be my witnesses. Guys, before I play this video, I want you to, to think about this. We're in this building studying Second Peter. And chapter 3 is all centered around where is the promise of his coming. And you and I believe if we're in Christ, if we believe he's coming. But the majority of the world don't believe that he's coming. And you're going to see on this video that the task that Jesus gave his disciples, guess what? It's still pertinent for us today. I want you to watch this video. This video is about, uh, this video is, um, shows what the thoughts are of, of young people on the Harvard campus. They, they're going to share with you their thoughts about Jesus alright let's look at this just quickly so I read- Did y'all hear that? Y'all could or could? Yeah. Could? Good. Good and bad. Did you hear all that confusion? Yeah. So that video was done six years ago on the campus of Harvard and I'm thinking it's been six years. What kind of video would they make today? And you know guys um, a few weeks ago we had on a Sunday night we had a service. And um, Colby Cooper shared with us, uh, which was tremendous. He had an opportunity to work with Child Evangelism Fellowship this summer, and and he he kind of got um, firsthand um, on the front lines, I guess you could say, of what it's like to share the gospel. And um, and then we have Dave had David and Amber Wolf, and and they shared about um, Amber's experience in Uganda. And um, then the England team shared. And I came away that night, and um, as the England team was sharing, and I'm like, um, I've been to England, and man, it's cold there. I mean cold in terms of the gospel. And then I look at this video, and I go, well, you know what? It's here. I mean, if we're waiting on it to get, it's here. So we live in still a kind of semi-protected area, right? I mean, this area used to be called the Bible Belt. I really don't think it's that so much anymore at all. Um, I think there are pockets of people, right? Remnants of people. But if you were to look at the East Coast and the West Coast, and you just took those two coasts, liberal, Um, you heard... I mean, these guys, I mean, for them to even acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way, it's a foreign thing. I mean, so for us, when we go out to witness in our culture and we say, Hey, look, we want to share the gospel with you. We want to share with you because we love you and Christ loves you. And he died for you. He died for your sin. That doesn't taste good. Right? Right away, you're having to say that because that's the gospel. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he rose the third day according to the scriptures. And so you have to share all that with them. And and then you have to say, well, he's the only way. And I remember years ago one Oprah Winfrey show where she was like having a fit. Because this lady actually stood up in her audience and said, he is the only way. And you know what? They're making fun of her. So as I'm looking at this passage of scripture, that scoffing, that laughing at, that was going on that day, on that program, in that setting. And that woman was standing up and saying, Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And she, she said it unashamedly, go, go view it. It's incredible. But that, doesn't, that does not take away from the fact these people think we're crazy. So I'm I'm, I'm looking at this text this morning and we're sitting in this comfortable environment and we're going, yeah, we believe he's coming. We believe he's coming. And Peter's saying, hey, look, he's coming. So live like it. And man, we got a lot of people out there in that world that aren't even on that page of he's coming because they're not even on the page of he died for them. And I want to just challenge us, guys, as we're out in our world, and that's how I wanted to close today, as we're out in our world, Let's be aware of the fact that many, many people, right, when you drive out on a Sunday morning and all those folks in your neighborhood are staying home, you know why they're staying home? Many of them don't believe. So listen, it's here, right? We're living through this time when people are laughing at and making fun of those who hold to the claims of Jesus Christ that he is the only way to the Father. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses that the Lord wants us to be, just like the apostles. And for them, man, it was even to the point of death, gruesome death. So I want to thank the Lord this morning publicly that I am a believer in Christ and that I am, I, I am, I am looking forward to his coming. But in light of his coming, there's plenty to do. It's not just coming here for this safe time of worship, which is very important. Don't get me wrong. It's very important. But I guess the prayer that I would say for all of us is, Lord, make us more aware of those people around us who are lost, who need the gospel, who need Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we just want to thank you this morning for your word. And um, I thank you for the direction that you took me the last couple of weeks in this. And um, just made me more aware of... um, not only what I need to look forward to um, in terms of you coming to rule and reign, I look forward to that. Um, Lord, I need to, I need to think in light of, of you coming for your church and, Lord, in knowing that, wow, when you come for your church, I don't know how many are going to be raptured. I don't know. I don't know when you're coming and I don't know how many will be raptured. But there'll be people gone. I've always wondered kind of, you know, will it really be noticeable? I'm starting to believe as I get older that it's not going to be that noticeable. Um, There's not going to be maybe many people gone. Um, Because the way I'm seeing the world today, um, I mean, not only are they laughing at, the thought of Christ being the way of salvation, but they're laughing just like Peter wrote um, and Jude wrote. They're laughing at the thought of your coming. Wow, I can't imagine, Lord, what it's going to be like when you do come. Your second coming when you come to earth and, and wow, I just don't even know how to respond to that, Lord. Just Just knowing that you're going to be ruling and reigning and um, you're going to be in charge. <laughs> and I'm thankful. I look forward to that. Lord, I'm kind of like taking this Acts passage and, and looking at it and saying, Well, you know, the disciples were looking at, Hey, we, we want your kingdom. Is it now? And, and, and you redirected their mind. And you're like, Hey, it's not now. Um, but until I come, this is what I have for you. I want you to witness. I want you to testify about me. And Lord, I think sometimes in the church, um, I know I have been guilty of it in the past, and it's just getting comfortable and, and where with where I am and, and, um, and good with the fact that you're coming and all that stuff and, and really kind of forgetting about, at times, forgetting about the, the many, the multitudes who, who just don't know you. So, Lord, I just want to pray that you would, would help me. Help me to see, um, as you were on earth, Lord, um, you said the harvest is plentiful, labors are few. And I, I got to thinking about that, that a laborer, um, when I think about labor, I guess I think about when I was growing up, when my dad had the idea of labor, it was to the point of exhaustion. And, um,. And, Lord, I, I would say that we probably could labor a little more for you. And um, because as we, as we saw today, Lord, eternity is at stake. And so um, I just pray that you would help us to be mindful of that. And, and Lord, that we would um, really be dependent on your spirit each day um, as we face a world that is unbelieving. We want them to believe. We want them to know. I pray that your Spirit would work as we have opportunities to share. And until you come, help us to live to your glory in Christ's name. Amen.
3: As much as I, part of me wants to close with a song about his coming, like "We Will Dance" or "Always Be" or something like that. Um, we're going to close with "Give Us Clean Hands." Uh, Thad read that scripture. He said, everyone who has this hope within himself purifies himself, even as he is pure. And so, as we sing this song, this is not necessarily a song of praise to the Lord. This is a, a prayer, really a plea for the Lord to do what we can't do in and of ourselves. To give us clean hands, pure hearts we not ever lift our soul to another so as we sing if you want to stand and sing that's great if you want to sit and sing or pray or if you want to come up here and pray um whatever you want to do i just pray that we not leave this place before we ask god to reveal anything that he would want to do that's
0: Lift our souls to another and God let us be a generation that sees seeks your face, oh God of Jacob, and God let us be a generation that seeks seeks your Our hearts, we bend our knees. O Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. O Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. And give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be. Seeks your face.
2: we